Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. Coming up. Blues bounce back, beat Brighton. Another week, another captain dismissed. Thiago Silva is gold again. And speaking of old things, we'll trail Trafford Trip. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight out of Cobham. Happy Monday, listener. It's a pretty gloomy one here in the United Kingdom, but we're feeling pretty happy because Chelsea got themselves that rarest of things, a home win in the Premier League this weekend. We're here to talk about that and look ahead to the midweek matchup against Manchester United. It's me, Matt, and I am joined by two of the Athletics' finest, perhaps the Athletics' two finest. Simon Johnson's back with us. How are you doing, Simon? Sorry, I, I, you lost me there. At the, uh... <laughs> I thought I'll kick off with a compliment and that'll put your American football-related blues behind you and get you fit and firing to go. Yeah, but I'm English and we don't do compliments. We just suddenly get a bit nervous, a bit bashful. But yeah, let's talk about the New York Jets, right? So anyway, the worst offence in arguably in NFL history. There you go. But at least Luton of company <laughs> with the Chelsea hat on. Well, look, Chelsea might have the best offence in Premier League season. I mean, they haven't, have they? But they score a lot of goals is what I'm trying to get at. Liam, you and I were both at the Brighton game on Sunday. This is it, isn't it? Corner's been turned. We haven't said that at all in the last 18 months. Can we just say, first of all, that the level of coverage is in keeping with the club's league position? Maybe not the two finest, but we're <laughs> we're solid and we, we approach our jobs with the kind of reckless abandon that only comes when you've already been booked. All right, so you, you're creeping into the top half, but occasionally dipping into the lower end of the table and you're a pair of flat track bullies. Is that what we're saying? I think you've got it exactly there. Um, as for corners turned, oh, I don't know. You don't really know from one week to the other, do you? I think what we can safely say is that this game was always going to be a particularly telling indicator of the hold that Pochettino has over this group of players because as Simon wrote after the Newcastle game, that was the first time he'd really publicly lit a fire under them and challenged them to do better. And he said, I think in the lead up to this Brighton game, that it was the first time they felt like they deserved to lose. So you were expecting a reaction. And ultimately, I think that's what we got. I think Chelsea approached this game with a lot of desire to do better maybe too much at times Matt um, a lot of desire to impose themselves on the game 
and impose themselves on their opponents. And they did that. I think they were physically bullying Brighton for most of the first half, which is not something you, you're you used to seeing Chelsea teams do anymore. But when you have four big burly centre-backs, it's a little bit easier, particularly at set pieces. But of course, once they take control of the game, they contrive to make life difficult for themselves by taking that exuberance a little bit too far with Conor Gallagher's second yellow, just a, a tackle that was beyond daft. I know, I know Pochettino defended him after the game and I was a little bit surprised by that, partly because I watched Pochettino as Gallagher was walking off the pitch and he didn't look like he was very pleased with his player <laughs> above all else. Uh, maybe that was me just misreading body language. But he said after the game that he was actually quite happy that they'd had Gallagher sent off. He told the players, this is a, a massive challenge for you. Go out there and prove you're a team. And they did in the end. It doesn't feel like they can do anything without some sort of mad emotional roller coaster. but they did get the win they desperately needed. Uh, and maybe, maybe, not the first time we said this this season, a platform to build on. All right, well, that's one in the eye for listeners who think that this podcast's format has become formulaic. Liam ripping it up there. We're not going with a presenter-led intro into the game. We're just getting straight into it. Uh, here's a tweet for Apologies. you. <laughs> no, no, look, listen. Change is as good as a rest, as my nan used to say. <laughs> uh, I feel I feel like my hello was a bit bit brief. And to the point. <laughs> well, I'll put this to you then, Simon. It comes to us uh, via X, formerly known as Twitter, from Andrew, who says, "Who's the real Chelsea? One, the dumbest team in the league who can't manage games or keep eleven men on the pitch, or two, one of the best underdogs in the league who focus." when we're up against it? Or is it three, a team that likes playing teams who come on to them a bit and he likes it even more when they've had to travel to Greece and back within 48 hours of the game? All three? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've said I've said before on this pod, we don't know what Chelsea are going to turn up and, and I think we should be prepared for that to continue for quite a while. I don't think you can trust them. Pochettino can't trust them. You know, they, they have bursts like they did on Sunday, where they're in control, as Liam was saying, and then they'll have a burst of complete insanity. And you're just going, what on earth are you doing? Um, it, it's fun, though. Again, I'm going to keep on this this the positive theme. It's fun. It is quite fun watching this team. You don't know what you're going to get. And unpredictability is, is a good thing about watching sport. If you don't know what's going to happen, it keeps you on the edge of your seat. And, um, you know, the amount of uh, added time just was another was another kick in the Watsits, wasn't it? Really, he just went, "All oh, right, you know they're going to score, and it, it's not it's not going to be even a two goal lead." Chelsea with a two goal lead is there is there anything less reassuring than that? <laughs> because you just know it's not going to last. There's going to be some defensive calamity. But generally, if you take the Newcastle game out of the picture, and I know you can't do that, but if if you sort of look at the last few months, it has generally been a bit of an upward trajectory goals scored you know Chelsea are at least now taking their chances a lot more but unfortunately this has coincided with them not being able to keep a clean sheet that's that's now seven Premier League games I'm going to keep doing this this run now you know highlighting seven Premier League games without a clean sheet only Burnley, Luton, Fulham that's the stat they're the only three teams that have been kept scoreless in the Premier League so they 
they do need to fix that. It doesn't help, of course, that the defence keeps chopping and changing for various reasons, whether it be injury or suspension. But but overall, I think any win over Brighton these days has got to be satisfying because um, the Brighton fans certainly like to make it pretty clear that they're not very happy about Chelsea. So, um, so Chelsea should enjoy rubbing some salt in the wounds. Yeah, for the second time this season. Uh, Liam, let's spin it back to the the start of the game. We wondered who was going to come in for Kukurea and James, who were suspended. We suspected and were right that it was Dizazi and Colwell. You, you can tell me how they played if you like, but I thought we ought to also give a nod to Benoit Badia-Shield because he had an absolute stinker, didn't he, at Newcastle? But I thought he was really good here, not just his assist for Enzo's first goal, but we hardly saw Evan Ferguson, which is not something that has been said often about Brighton games this season. Yeah, I thought um, Ferguson, who I was actually quite intrigued to watch up close ahead of uh, maybe the uh, the £150 million tug of war that will happen between Chelsea and Brighton in about a year's time, uh, or maybe sooner. Uh, <laughs> and he had a couple of good touches early, but yeah, I agree, Matt. I think after that, Badia Shield seemed to have a pretty good handle on him. And maybe you can ascribe the Newcastle performance to a bit of rust. I also think particularly in the defensive third of the pitch, so much of what happens is collective. Success or failure is collective and mistakes lead to mistakes. And so the fact that everything else was falling apart around Betty Sheila at St. James's Park probably didn't help him either, uh, feeling his way back into the team. But the four centre-back approach was was interesting. It's very Germany 2014, very Tony Pulis. Pochettino couldn't really have gone any other way, but I thought it did work, at least until Matoma came on. I think it was important for Chelsea that he didn't start the game because we saw very, very quickly when he came off the bench that Matoma against Dizassi would have led to disaster, uh, no pun intended. So, And Pochettino very quickly recognised that and brought Ian Matson on. But I thought they did well in the main and Badiashil even managed to to carry a threat in in the opposition penalty area. Did really well to keep that Conor Gallagher cross alive at the back post. Great hook back across after he'd held off two players. So yeah, he did everything that you'd want from him and more against a pretty dangerous attacking team. And once it became a case of Chelsea defending their box deep, I think that's where you really feel the benefit of having four big burly guys who can head away any crosses into the box. That's usually what Chelsea have faced <laughs> this season against low-lying opponents. So I think they relish the opportunity to give another team a taste of that medicine. Yeah, and Thiago Silva was excellent in the second half as well as marshalling of the defence really helped, I think. Uh, so Badia Shield Simon sets up the first goal for Enzo Fernandez. Uh, again, I feel like this is something maybe we've said a few times, but this had the feel of a transformative game for him because he hadn't scored in the Premier League and he'd missed that penalty at West Ham and he sort of exercised that demon as well. Is this the, the performance you've been waiting from from Enzo or was this fairly typically just added a couple of goals to it? I would say it's the performance I've been waiting from him for the last six weeks. Generally, I think I think he's been one of Chelsea's best signings, but the last, last six weeks or so, I think the pace of... Or the, or the schedule has got to him a little bit. Uh, he was actually asked, uh, Pochettino was asked about Fernandez last week in, in the pre-match press conference, along with Casado. I asked about Casado, but Fernandez also came up. And um, 
uh, you know, Pochettino is he sort of made the point for the same point for both is that you know players need time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and he was urging the patience line, but I didn't have any concerns about Fernandez until until I remember Bournemouth away being sort of like the first sort of time I went, oh, he's, he's a bit off the pace today, and I thought it was a one-off, but actually it was the start of something. And Pochettino sort of made the very fair point that the amount of international football, and this applies to the Casado answer as well, the amount of international football these guys are playing, the travel, Fernandez, I think, has he basically started every game bar one in the, in the league this season. So anyway, getting back to the, the actual performance, it was more like his old self with, with that important goal from open play and the penalty to put those West Ham demons aside and I think it is important that that someone else other than Cole Palmer can take a penalty and have scored a penalty because you never know what's going to happen to Cole Palmer but yeah it was much more like it and um, let's just hope this is the start of things because Chelsea do need more goals from their sort of midfield players there's too much reliance on Sterling Jackson etc Palmer from the penalty spot they, they need goals from elsewhere and it was good to see Fernandez where he was to score that header. Remarkable free header for someone of his size. I think even I might have scored that one, but, you know, let's not go overboard. So he's the first of that triumvirate we've got used to of uh, him, Caicedo and Gallagher to actually score a Premier League goal this season. Gallagher couldn't do it on Sunday, Liam, because he wasn't on the pitch long enough. Shades of Leicester last season, wasn't there, when he picked up those two quick bookings early on in the campaign and, and got sent off. Um, the first challenge on another day, he might have been sent off for that, I think, but then to, to go and chase after Billy Gilmore, what, 15 minutes later, not particularly sensible and, and few arguments. And, and here we are, second week in a row, talking about a, a Chelsea captain and a, a Cobham graduate, no less, getting sent off. Yeah, and I can only wonder what he was thinking in the second half, watching events play out. I mean, in the end, just as against Leicester last season, Chelsea win the game with 10 men. But yeah, he he put the team in a very difficult position. I didn't sense any malice in either tackle, but it it was just indiscipline. It was just, I think, an over-eagerness, much in the way that we saw in that Leicester game. I think an over-eagerness to make the difference, to win the ball back. And yeah, it comes from a good place, but it has to be reined in because it put Chelsea in in a really, really difficult position. In truth, they were already having a few more problems in the game. And I think that's partly where the second yellow comes from because even though they were 2 nil up, they weren't in control. I don't know actually if it's possible to control a game against the Zerbys Brighton because if you look at their record this season, their presence on a football pitch statistically guarantees goals at both ends more than anyone else in the Premier League. And they were still finding avenues to cut through Chelsea's midfield quite easily. Even if they weren't always making great headway in the final third, they were getting into positions where Chelsea's midfielders did feel a little bit exposed and a bit stretched. And I think both of those Gallagher tackles, if I'm remembering rightly, were kind of stretching, trying to win the ball when you're not really close enough to do it and ending up just taking out the man with a bit too much force. And that, that I think, is a tactical issue as well as a decision-making issue. I think we've seen in against other teams that move the ball very well in recent weeks, against City, against Spurs, that Chelsea's midfield can still be a bit exposed and can be caught out of position and, and teams can get running at their back four. 
Um, so that's something I think that Pochettino will have to continually work on. It was less of an issue, of course, after the Gallagher red because Chelsea just sat off and countered. But ultimately, I think when you're talking about two players wearing the armband, committing fouls that they don't need to commit, yeah, it, it's a sign that Chelsea are still looking for leaders from young players and those young players are still learning how to be the best leaders. An ignominious exit for Gallagher then ignored by his manager and serenaded with chants of cheerio, you palace scum from the away end. So not his most enjoyable day at work. That was one of the nicest things the Brighton fans <laughs> chanted all afternoon. Yeah, they were not very happy. Uh, Levi Colwell, Simon, he gets his first Chelsea goal. If he does it at the other end of the ground, there's absolutely no chance he's muting his celebration in the way that he did here, is there? He just realised that he was right by the Brighton supporters and thought, hmm, maybe I ought to tone this down a notch. No, I disagree with you there. I think that he thought, I want to emulate Ralph Hussenhottel's meme on social <laughs> media. He wanted to do that. Uh, so, so I, I think, you know, we, we will see that perhaps repeated now on social media, that Levi Cole will be used. Um, you're probably right, although I think he does have a, a genuine appreciation for Brighton and affection for Brighton for his loan spell there. And, and although he did seem to get involved in some of the argy bargy post-match as well. So, but I think that's the sort of, yeah, he's Chelsea, let's be honest. And I think, I think um, that's what we want to see actually. Bit of, bit of that, bit of needle that he's got that in his locker as well to add that to his list of um, attributes to continue the John Terry-esque pathway that he might be on. But yeah, good finish, goal line technology. And a shout out to that. Worked, worked a treat. And yeah, good to see him back in the team. I think Chelsea are better for, for him being back in the team, although I still have reservations about him being left back rather than the left side of centre back. Can we just take a moment to appreciate the personal roller coaster that, that Levi Colwell had in that game? I think perfectly summed up by the celebration. Oh no, wait, non-celebration. First of all, there's there's all of that. The brilliant Duncan Ferguson-esque header that not even Billy Gilmore could keep out. First goal for Chelsea, huge moment for him. At fault for the Brighton goal, the first Brighton goal, I think. Doesn't get close enough to Buonanotte, lets him cut in on his left foot far too easily. And ends up, I mean, it's a brilliant finish, but he's just got far too much time. Then I think kind of at fault for the second Brighton goal. If you watch that header back again, he's the one who tracks Xao Pedro to the near post and doesn't really jump, gets out jumped by a guy who's much smaller than him. And then in the final seconds, gets smashed in the face by a cross. Yeah. <laughs> Only for the referee to confidently point at the penalty spot, which I guess in a pre-VAR age would have gone down as an of Rabo level miscarriage of justice. <laughs> only to then get involved with all of his former friends that he's gone to great pains to try and maintain relationships with before and after the final whistle, gets saved by VAR, ends up on the winning side. But how must have he been feeling at the end of all of that? Just absolutely drained. Yeah, there'll be a good athletic long read on Levi Colwell's first Chelsea goal in the day that was. I think I've just dictated it. Yeah. <laughs> if Dom's listening, he'll be on the phone to you when we're done here. Um, 
Simon, we'll get to the the penalty that wasn't. What what did you make of the the one that was? Mudrick fouled by Milner moments after Milner had come on. It was a really nice counter attack. Uh, Craig putting the poor in porcelain, some might say, on Sunday, being sent to the monitor. It was um, it was a marginal call if we're being polite about it. Did Chelsea get a bit lucky with that one, or did you think it was a penalty? No, penalty. I was quite bemused by. Um, I could get it first time around when you start when you watch it first time around. I can understand why you sort of might go with the sort of the arm across Madrid and he's gone down a bit easier. You might sort of think, oh, that's a bit soft. But I think when you sort of see James Milner taking his legs away, so he can't actually connect with the ball. I think that for me, that's a penalty. I, I'm, I was a bit bemused on match of the day when that when you had Jermaine Genus and Leon Osman saying it was just a coming together of legs. It's like, well, in my book, coming together of legs. Isn't that the definition of every tackle in, in a football <laughs> yeah. match? But also, a coming together of legs when you don't win the ball, for me, is a foul. You know, maybe I'm old-fashioned in that in that regard. Should it have been a red card for Milner then in that case? That's the interesting thing, I think. That That's the debate, isn't it? Because obviously there's a rule. The rule is, is that if you make a genuine attempt to, to win the ball, uh, you don't have double jeopardy anymore. Yeah, but he wasn't. So was he really genuinely going for the ball? Because I'm not sure James Milner was capable of going for the ball at the pace that Madrid was running at. So that, for me, is the only debate. I appreciate others have a different opinion to mine. Um, I'm getting the impression you might be one of them, Matt. But no, I, I was a bit, a bit surprised that, that there was any controversy about that decision at all. I don't think it was necessarily that controversial. I just come back to the, isn't it supposed to be a clear and obvious error for VAR to get in? Was it quite that? I'm not sure. Anyway, it doesn't matter because we're all Chelsea heads here and we're quite pleased that it was given and that Chelsea won. Um, we ought to talk more though, Liam, about that ludicrous penalty that that never was at the end. I know, I think the thing that would really stick in my craw if I was a Brighton supporter, I know that the rule is once the referee goes to monitor, you restart play with a drop ball, but they should have got a corner and they were looking threatening from their corners and they ended up with an uncontested drop ball, which is basically Sanchez kicking the ball long and then the whistle blows. So actually, although Chelsea would have been punished for that referee mistake, had we not had VAR, Brighton get punished for it. And also, why does he need to be sent to the monitor for that? Why can't the VAR just say that hit him in the face? You don't need to go and see it. Let's save ourselves two or three minutes and get on with the game. Because we can't undermine the authority of the on-field referee, Matt. (laughs) There has to be the the masquerade of preserving the referee's authority, even when I think we've actually written a piece about this on The Athletic, about how when the referee goes to the monitor, it is a foregone conclusion. It's not a deliberation process. It is just theatre. The decision will be overturned. And, you know, it almost always is. So, yeah, I thought, yeah, it, it's silly. I think there's, you know, We've spoken a lot in previous weeks about problems with process with VAR and with officiating generally. I don't like getting into it too much, partly because I just despise VAR from head to toe. But um, yeah, I can see why Brighton would be frustrated with that. And and it was quite funny actually hearing Pochettino talk about the final minutes in, in his post-match press conference because he was asked like, why would the VAR stuff make you all start pushing and shoving each other? <laughs> and he was just saying... Uh, you know, it's just the confusion. 
it's just the we we had the confusion with the penalty then they had the confusion with the penalty and and I'm paraphrasing because the way Pochettino says stuff is just quite uh, sort of fragmented in, in in his English in press conferences but it's just when you're confused you just start <laughs> pushing each other it's an emotional game um yeah I just find it quite funny that it it, it turned so feral through what was quite just a, a silly set of circumstances in the final minutes. All right, well, let's wrap up the Brighton game then. Here's Malachi Simon who says, positives, a recent Chelsea would have crumbled and lost that game 3-2 after half time, And I think that's right, isn't it? And we ought to praise A, Maurizio Pochettino for his game plan, but also the players for carrying it out so effectively in the second half because it wasn't until actually quite late on in the game when Brighton started properly peppering Sanchez's goal. Yeah, I think you've probably come to the right person for this one, given I've slagged them off um, <laughs> for showing a lack of bottle quite consistently and, and most recently after the Newcastle game. So, yeah, I think it was a key second-half performance from that group of players, given recent events. I think everyone would have feared the worst when Gallagher was sent off. Oh, here we go again, they're going to lose this. And it would be another sort of snatching a defeat or a draw from from uh, the jaws of victory. Yes, very well organised. I liked the subs. I liked, well, obviously, the Mudrick moving him up front did pay off for that penalty decision. Yeah, it was it was a it was a pretty positive day by Chelsea standards, but still a lot to improve on, and hopefully. Um, they can actually build on this at Old Trafford. Yeah, and there was more good news on Sunday as well, because after last season's unpleasantness, the correct order of things has been restored, with Chelsea drawn at home to lower league opposition in the Football Association's Challenge Cup. My thoughts with Graham Potter, which I did tweet, (laughs) just like, he must be going MK Dons and Preston (laughs) at home. He must be bitterly, bitterly sitting in his cave somewhere, counting his payoff, going, oh, if only... It just shows, doesn't it? You know, like when your luck's in, or certainly in his case, when your luck's not in, <laughs> it's just, it's just, yeah, Man City away both times. I, I think that all <laughs> the unluckiest Chelsea manager of, of the past, well, 20 odd years, because I still can't get over those two draws from last season. Can I just lift the lid momentarily on the, the match going journalist thought process at times like this? So, when I got into the, the Stanford Bridge press room, the FA Cup draw was in process. It just started. And, well, I wouldn't speak for Simon, but certainly for me, and you can pull me up if you disagree, Simon. As journalists, we primarily root for our own travel. Am I right? <laughs> when we're looking at these draws, there was a heart-in-mouth moment when Swansea City came out at home <laughs> and Chelsea was still in the bag. And I just thought, please, no. Please no. Especially in January. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So as soon as they came out at home, could have been anyone from that point. <laughs> Happy enough. Well, yeah. And on behalf of the freelance football commentating community, uh, home draw against lower league opposition is also very welcomed um, too. So that's going to be at the start of next month. I've just had a quick look on Soccer Base and there's going to be some absolute gold for the quiz that precedes that particular podcast. I'll start revising now. <laughs> yeah. 2010, by the way, the last time they met in the FA Cup. 2002 at home. Yeah. Bone up on Sam Dalabona. That's all I'll say. Uh, right. There is a rare midweek match to look forward to. So that's what we're going to do next.
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Chelsea heading to Manchester United on Wednesday then, taking on fellow beleaguered big boys. The Blues can head there with some belief after Sunday's win and, you know, United's overall crumminess, I guess. Uh, the key selection thing here, Simon, who's going to come in for Conor Gallagher? Leslie Ugachukwu not in the squad on Sunday. So if he's not fit, dare I suggest Reese James goes into midfield or have you got something else in mind? Well, given that, that Potts favours a, a 4 2 3 one Generally, I'm almost tempted to go full on, you know, put all your chips in and go Sterling, Palmer, Mudrick as a three and go all attacking. It's probably, you know, being shouted down, oh, that's far too disorganised, particularly with Mudrick's um, (laughs) ability to track back and and offer defensive help. But that would be sort of one possible idea I don't know what what Liam thinks yeah I think there's certainly a case for going a bit more attack minded given how vulnerable Manchester United regularly look I want to say it on air because we discussed it before and just see what the uh, audience thinks about it in Continental Cup how what do we think about that (laughs) for for the name of this fixture let us know in the comments but yeah I, I do think there's a case for Chelsea going a bit more expansive if they can't find the right personnel for for pairing with with Enzo and Caicedo, because I, I mean I, I wouldn't actually be surprised if he just picked Palmer because he ha- he has spoken about Palmer as a potential number eight as well as a number ten, so he might even just pick Palmer, albeit in a in a role that we're less used to seeing him in. All right, uh, are you bringing Kukurea back? Liam, or are you sticking with Levi Colwell at left back? Obviously, Reese James is going to come in, right? If you, I can see from the shaking of the head, the Kukurea discussion would be a short one. Um, so let's say Colwell's at left back, James is at right back. Baddy Ashiel and Silver, or Dizazi and Silver, or maybe no Silver. I mean, uh, we we are less than a week removed from me saying to Simon that they need to evolve beyond Silver and <laughs> bin Tiago Silver. <laughs> yeah, and probably go with. Uh, I do enjoy that you put in the running order. Silver silences his critics, by which you yeah, mean yeah. me, Matt. <laughs> I did notice that. I sort of went <laughs> subtweeting me in the dock, but but uh, having said that, I this might not be the time. This might not be the day to do it. I think you don't just necessarily throw Buddy Shield and Dezassi in there together for a game like this because United are still dangerous. They have still bizarrely been winning a lot in the Premier League, even though they project a constant air of farce. So I think you probably do go with with Silver and Dezassi and then yeah, have have James back in at right back as long of course he's physically ready to to play there. Picturing Liam just sort of sitting in the press box. Silent, you know, sort of, <laughs> or, or in the press room, or on the way home. You know, how long were you silent for, Liam? You know, with with Thiago Silva's performance on Sunday. I'm only talking now because I'm contractually obliged to. I'd still be silent, <laughs> in, in light of that masterclass. Otherwise, I'm sure you've muted Bell 
silver uh, <laughs> on all your social media profiles. Uh, that's, that's the first move you need to do. Um, if we look at Manchester United a bit, Simon, Mason Mount is a doubt for this game. He's got to be feeling pretty devastated, hasn't he? How this has worked out for him so far. I know he's had injury troubles, but it's just not happened for him at all, has it, this Manchester United move? Not yet, no. Um, he's not just a doubt. He, he's he's ruled out. Thanks a lot, FPL. Just gone on their website. Calf injury, 50% chance of playing. Good job I wasn't going to put him in my team. Well, I think he was, when the injury happened, the diagnosis was about a month, fearing that it would be out for a month. Of course, it, things may have improved since then, but even if they have, Ten Hag has been very reluctant to play him recently anyway. I think that's probably injury-related, very cautious about him because, of course, he he picked up an injury very early on in the season at Spurs, if memory serves. But yeah, it, it has it has been a terrible move for him so far. I mean, he's, he's jumped from one circus to another one, arguably a circus that that's on the way down rather than the way up. Got more clowns, but not as funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah although I laughed. Um, <laughs> I mean, United, Chelsea's record against Manchester United in recent years has been appalling anyway. It's it's extraordinary. They, they boasted one of the best Premier League records against them uh, when they were at their best. And it's since they've been a bit of a so-so team in the last 10 years, and particularly the last five, that they've they've really struggled to beat them. It was my final game of last season in, in May, and it's amazing how things can turn because, in fairness, United looked like a team on the up under Ten Hag back then. Of course, they won the League Cup, qualified for the Champions League. Chelsea were an absolute shambles. It, it looked like it could take years for the, the gulf between them to to close. But now you, now you can say that. It, it's remarkable that Manchester United have a lead over Chelsea in the table at all. It's very flattering for Manchester United in a way... The only thing that Manchester United have over Chelsea this season is the ability to win ugly. And they've they've done that on basically eight occasions. I don't think they've put in one good performance or one convincing performance yet. And as for Mason, look, this fixture will, will generate a lot of conversation inevitably from, from both sets of supporters over Mason Mount. And right now, the Chelsea fan base that were very angry about Mason Mount deciding to leave, although he will argue that he was also forced out, that they will be sort of thinking, well, Chelsea haven't been made to regret that decision. Mm. Yeah, classic case of a a young footballer who has played too much, I think, and now he seems to be beset by injuries. Uh, United have already lost five times at Old Trafford in all competitions this season, but the last time Chelsea beat them was a 2018 FA Cup final. Uh, Liam, Simon mentions that that game last season, which was just horrible, absolutely horrible, 4-1 spanking. How much have Chelsea improved since then, do you think? Unrecognisable. I don't think anyone involved was particularly engaged when that game rolled around from a Chelsea perspective and it showed on the pitch. They didn't look like a team that was ready to play, a team that was prepared for the opposition. On every level, they didn't look like a team ready to compete at the... Well, they didn't look like a team ready to compete to the degree that you need to be to get any points in the Premier League. This year, 
we know the story with Chelsea. I think they have broadly been very competitive. And I think they've, on a lot of days, not quite gotten what they've deserved, in part because they don't tend to play well for 90 minutes. And as I, as I wrote after the Brighton game, they certainly don't control games for anything like 90 minutes. So if what we've seen is any guide, Manchester United will have stretches of that game in which they will have opportunities to do Chelsea damage. But Chelsea will have the same. And so it depends who is actually ruthless. And I think you'd probably be a bit more confident now, certainly more so than last season, in Chelsea's ability to be ruthless when those opportunities arise. So I, th- I think it's an interesting game, almost impossible to call just because it's it's two massive clubs in, in difficult situations that you you don't really know what you're going to get from one week to the next. Uh, okay, impossible to call, says Liam. Give me a prediction then, Simon. <laughs> it comes to the wrong man. Because <laughs> I'm always worried about predicting a Chelsea victory because it always goes wrong. There was there was a classic moment where, um, this is back in my evening standard days, the rare time where I felt I had to predict a Chelsea victory was ahead of... Chelsea Arsenal FA Cup final in 2017 and all eight of us that did a prediction that day said Chelsea only to be trolled because of course Chelsea went on to lose only to be trolled by Mesut Ozil on social media (laughs) he actually had a screen grab well whether it was him or people around him had a screen grab of uh the segment in the paper with all our we had all our bylot photo bylines on it. It wasn't a screen grab, Simon. It was a picture of their dressing room wall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it was definitely an evening standard uh, motivational team talk for them. But, but yeah, and um, I think the tweet was something along the lines of experts with a laughing emoji. So yes, so, so this is my way of talking out of giving you a prediction. Shall I do the most boring one of all and say it would be a one-all draw? So that way I, I, I basically can't lose either way. All right. Well, I'm going to um, stick my neck out and say that Chelsea are going to win 2-1 and there'll be lots of boos from the home supporters. Uh, OK, well, we will reflect on whatever happens in the game in our Thursday. Pod. It's a quarter past eight kickoff UK time on Wednesday night up in the northwest. Uh, elsewhere in Chelsea news, nothing. By which I mean the under-18s and the under-21s games both fell foul of the weather and the women's team didn't play because of international. So that is just about going to wrap us up for today's pod. One thing we haven't done, Liam, is mention your match piece much. Tell us a little bit about what you focused on um, from the Chelsea-Brighton game. It was mainly me trying to sort through my brain mush at the final whistle, which is increasingly common after Chelsea games these days, given how many things happen in the course of 90 or increasingly 100 minutes as we're growing accustomed to dealing with now. But it was it was mainly about Chelsea and Pochettino still searching for control in games with the admission that maybe, you know, on the same day, Liverpool and Fulham have a seven-goal thriller and Manchester City and Spurs have a six-goal thriller. Maybe Premier League games are just impossible to control now. Maybe we've reached that point where there's too much talent, too much know-how throughout the league for you to actually be comfortable in games. But Chelsea is still looking for a little bit more control, I think. For now, 
Pochettino seems quite happy to kind of ride the emotion of the moment and try and harness it rather than fight it. And that I led on his comment at half time, his challenge to his players after the Gallagher red card, of, you know, go out there, show you're a team. And they did that well. So I think Pochettino's big on emotion, as we know. He's big on energy. I think he's going to continue to try and do that. But in the long run, as this team gets a bit more experienced, they're going to need to try and find ways to bend games to their will a little bit more rather than just swaying with the turning tides of momentum. Hopefully that's going to come with time. Uh, elsewhere on The Athletic, our friend Luke has written up that Guru Wrighton has signed a new contract at Chelsea, which is great news for the women's team. Lots of other good stuff up on there too. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. And if you'd like to leave us a nice review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, that would be much appreciated too. All right, then we will be back on Thursday when we'll talk about what happened against Manchester United. There'll be plenty more too. We've got a trip to Everton to build up to as well. So join us for that if you can. Until then, from Simon, Liam, Lucy and me, it's goodbye. The Athletic.